What if we did make this Christmas a Christmas like that where we put our walls down and we stopped pretending at least to him and we just were real with him? We've been looking at this for four now, five. Well, this is the fourth Sunday that we've been looking at this whole thing and been in a series. And we talked a lot, a lot about uh, Christ coming to this world. And it is an amazing thing that the God of glory left his glory and took on the former humanity and came here to be with us. And you know what? He did not come to a perfect world. And he didn't come here uh, to people who were perfect and without brokenness in our lives. And when it, isn't it what he really wants? Isn't it what he truly invites us to do? To simply come and be who we are and not try to put up walls and just let him deal with us where we are. What would happen if we did that this year? My sense is God could do some pretty wonderful things in our hearts. You know what? Some of us are lonely and some of us are condemning ourselves and some of us are broken beyond what we want others to know. And some of us do have things going on in our life. Some of us may be addicted. There may be a whole plethora of things that we sort of put behind a wall. God knows it and he loves you and he's poised to meet you where you are. I want to take you today um, in this series to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2. And I want us to look at verses 5 through 11. Maybe as you're thinking about that, as we're going here to this, these verses, you might be thinking, well, why do we sing songs about the cross? Why were we singing about the old rugged cross? And, and why did we go there? And it's simply because from the moment that a plan was conceived in God's mind to come to this planet, from that very moment, he knew he was coming to a cross. It will culminate there. Let me read these words to you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. John Fisher, an author, wrote a book called On a Hill Not Too Far Away. I would recommend it. It's good reading. And in the very beginning of the book, he begins his book by describing a church in existence in Old Greenwich, Connecticut. The leadership of this church, as they were constructing the building, as they were uh, fitting it for ministry, constructed a 10-foot tall, rough lumber cross and situated it between the platform where the preacher preached and the congregation. So that when he preaches there, the people look through the cross. They have to get used to looking around the cross for everything that's up on the sanctuary. This microphone hates me. Um, but everything that goes on in that sanctuary. Christmas is a new microphone. All right. 
Everything that goes on in that church has to deal with a cross. If it's an Easter service, the cross is there. If it's a Christmas service, the cross is there between the platform and the people. If there is a wedding, it deals with the cross. Everything that occurs in this particular church in Greenwich, I'm sorry, in Old Greenwich, Connecticut, has to deal with a cross. It is conspicuously in the center of every activity that that church holds. And it is because of the church's philosophy that the cross is central to everything in history and belongs in the center of everything that happens. I wonder how old Jesus was as a human being when he actually began to know that there was a cross waiting for him. Was he a boy? When he became aware of who he was, that he was not just an ordinary human being, that he was the son of God. Because, folks, he was born an infant and he had the the capacities of an infant. He had to rely on human parents to take care of him. So I wonder how old he was when he began to realize that he was the son of God. And I wonder how, how old he was when he began to realize that waiting on the horizon out there was a cross. Somewhere out there ahead of him, on a day I believe that he knew there was going to be a cross waiting for him. So every day he laid his head down to go to sleep was a day that had finished and a day closer to the day that he would hang on a cross and suffer. I wonder about how that played in his mind. And let's not make a mistake about it. I will tell you that Jesus, just to be clear, Jesus did know he was going to be killed. Jesus did understand that there was a cross waiting for him. Luke chapter 9 verse 22 gives us an example of him predicting it to his disciples before it happened. He said, and he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Here in our series that we've been calling Love Revealed, we have learned that Jesus was sent to the world to show us what God looks like, to reveal to the world the heart of God. And everything he did, everything he said came directly from his father, God. He said to us that the words he taught came to him from the father. Jesus is what God's love looks like. He came to reveal the love of God. We've considered what a huge thing it was for Jesus to leave his glory and become a human being and be with us. And we have seen that he came to bring justice into the world. We studied that he came to give life and to forgive sins. And this week, we're going to give our focus to the fact that Jesus came with a mission. And that mission was to go to a cross. It was to hang and to suffer for us. Of all the things that Jesus did, the healings, his mastery over the elements, when he made water into wine and then later walked on it, or when he calmed the storms, when he cast out demons and he dispatched evil or raising the dead or his teaching, it all was done knowing that one day he would be going to the cross. It all culminated right there. And I would suggest to you that nothing greater was ever done by Jesus than what he did that day. He hung on a cross for us. So I suggest to you that when he came, he came knowing that he would go from a manger to a cross to die for our sins. Here's what I see revealed in these verses about Jesus. And I'd like to share them with you today. I first of all see his mindset. 
verses 5 through 7 says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. If you look at verse 6 again, it tells us very clearly Jesus is God. That's who he is. And before he left his father's side in the glorious existence that he lived in for, for uh, eternity past, he had never fully experienced the frailty of human existence. Jesus didn't know until he was born what it was like to be born. He had not existed in the way that we human beings exist. He didn't exist in the limits of time that we live in. He's timeless. He had not dealt with depleting energy and gotten sleepy before, but he did after he came to us. He had never been hungry or thirsty. He had never been unable to be in more than one place at once. It was a huge sacrifice for him to leave his glory and become a human being again for us. Verse 7 reminds us that he did not come in, uh, into this world with, as, a, as a, a member of a royal family, but he came as a, as a lowly servant. And his mindset was that of a bondservant. That's how he looked at his ministry on earth. In the culture that Jesus lived in, all the slaves, anybody who was a slave in that culture, after six years of service uh, into the seventh year, were released. They were released and given their freedom back. And they were allowed to go back to life without being a slave again, if that was their choice. There were some slaves, however, who learned to love the family that they ministered to or that they, they were slaves to. They learned to really appreciate the owners of the homes and, and, and love those families. And they actually wanted to become part of the family. And so what some slaves would do because of their love for the family and because they really had nowhere to go after they were set free, they would go to the owner of the house, the, 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 their, their owner, and they would say to them, I don't want to leave this family. I don't want to leave service for you. And so here's what I want to do. I want to become a bondservant. For a person to become a bondservant, they were to go to their master and their master would take them to their front door. He'd open the door and there on the doorpost, he would use what looked like an ice pick and all. And he would shove it through the ear of the servant. He would, he would pierce his ear and, and nail him, if you will, to, the, to the, the doorpost of the home. And that ceremony marked that this person was now part of that family and never would leave. He would be the bondservant. He, his position wouldn't change except for the fact that he wouldn't ever leave that home. He would never leave the service of that family because he loved them. He became a bondservant. And what a powerful imagery that is. That's the mindset of Jesus Christ. He so loved us that he became a bondservant to us. And he bound himself to us and he was pierced so that he could be a servant to us. And that's what Jesus would say. It's an amazing thing when I think about this, this analogy of the Lord's mindset. But I've already been telling you how day after day Jesus went to sleep at night aware that that was one more day closer to him suffering on a cross and dying on a cross for the world. And I think this kind of knowledge would have would have broken a lesser man. How did he face it? His mind, his 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 mindset. He chose to serve. He lived the life of a bondservant. In Matthew 20, verse 28, he told the disciples that he did not come here to be served, but to serve and to give his life 
as a ransom for everyone, for, for many. So every day, the king of glory could have tapped out. You know what? I, I, I need to say that again because sometimes I don't think we realize it. But every day, Jesus had to resist any temptation to say, you know what? I'm not doing this. They're not worth it. Every nasty encounter that he had with religious leaders who were so self-righteous and, and who, who wanted, his, wanted to kill him eventually, every one of those encounters could have made him say, you know what, humanity isn't worth this. He could have tapped out. He could have said, I'm done. I'm not going to the cross. Every single day, though, because of his mindset of being a bondservant, he committed himself to go all the way till he came to the day of his crucifixion. At his trial before the crucifixion, he revealed that he was at that moment that Pilate was talking to him. Pilate asked this question, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus didn't deny it. He said, it is as you say. And then Pilate threw up his hands in frustration later at Jesus and said, why aren't you answering to these charges that are being leveled against you? Don't you realize I have the authority and I have the power to kill you? I can get you killed. I can take your life from you. Jesus looked the man dead in the eyes and revealed the truth about him. No one can take my life away. We need to understand, folks, that at that very moment, he could have called down angels from heaven. They would have delivered him. He could have spoken a word and destroyed all of humanity. He could have tapped out. He could have said, I'm not going to the cross. But instead, he took on the form of a bondservant. And he said, I'm serving humanity all the way through the cross. Jesus came to a manger to go to a cross. He came with a mission in his heart and in his mind. And it is God with us. It is God serving humanity in a powerful way. I think every day he chose to be a bondservant. And every day he, he, he chose that instead of his rightful place as being, being king. His mindset was one of courage and love and humility and mission. And I'm convinced that it was all decided and settled upon before he stripped himself of everything of, that was of him that would have killed humanity had humanity just been in the presence of God on, unstripped. What an amazing thing that Jesus was willing to do for us. I want to strike or talk just for a second about his obedience. Verse 8, and being formed, uh, found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I have to be really transparent with you and confess something to you. For a lot longer than I should have in my life, I walked around with a really big misconception about Jesus. Even though I had read often about Jesus being tempted by Satan. And if you know the Bible uh, to some degree, you will recall that just before Jesus embarked on his ministry for three years, there was a 40-day period, 40 days and 40 nights when Jesus went without food, Jesus went without water, Jesus was in a desert, and every day, all day, he was being tempted by Satan. And I know that that's what the Bible says, and the Bible tells us of other times when Satan would tempt him and Satan would come to him and torment him. And, and I understand that, but for some reason, I just did not believe that temptation for Jesus was the same as it is for us. And so I had a wrong conception of it. I truly believe that the urge to do something wrong for Jesus never was there. 
He's the son of God. Obedience was automatic for him, I thought. He didn't battle the urge to disobey. He didn't battle his own desires. And for the longest time, I thought that temptation for Jesus wasn't the same as it is for us. After all, again, it seemed automatic to me. And what I failed to understand until I was well into ministry is something that I talked a little bit about a few weeks ago. In order to be with us, in order to come to us and be with us, he had to lay down all of the that which was so God that it would destroy humanity to be in his presence. And he truly was a human being. And I had forgotten about his human side. He truly had desires and hungers and appetites like you and I did. And he truly was a human being. It made some of Hebrews chapter 2 come alive to me. Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 18, since the children had flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. I can't speak for anybody else, but that was a huge revelation for me. It wasn't an automatic. Jesus suffered when he was tempted. He suffered like you and I would suffer, just like any person who truly loves the Lord and just like they suffer when they're battling themselves in times of temptation. And let me quickly say, when you're tempted, if it's not difficult for you and you're not suffering because you're just easily giving in, I I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm just going to tell you the straight up truth. You don't love the Lord if that's not suffering for you. Because we battle against impulses that are repulsive to the Lord, sinful impulses. And it is easy to give in to temptation unless you really love the Lord. And when you really love him, it hurts. It's a battle. You're suffering. And folks, I need to remind you that Jesus suffered when he was tempted. He battled against his own appetites and his desires. And this means he had the capacity to deliberately disobey his father if he wanted to. He could have tapped out, but instead he suffered. Certainly there in Gethsemane when Jesus was praying before the Lord and he was crying out to his father. And he said, Father, if it's possible for me not to do this, he didn't want to go to the cross. The the humanity part of him especially did not want to suffer and go through those things. But he didn't want to become sin. A pure and holy, sinless God did not want to become our sin and pay the penalty for our sins. And he asked for a way out. And then he quickly overrode it and said, nevertheless, not what I want, Father, but what you want. And he suffered so greatly as he prayed there in the garden. His heart was so heavy that the Bible tells us that he sweat would look like big droplets of blood coming out of his pores. He suffered so much that an angel had to come and attend to him and give him strength to make it through that battle with himself and with the enemy. 
And I'm looking at this obedience and the fact that Jesus went all the way to the cross. That he, he allowed himself to be crucified. Allowed himself to suffer the indignity of the cross. Allowed himself to suffer. And he did it all to obey the Lord because of his obedience and his choice. We have an opportunity to know God. I love what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So circling back, I'm certain that Jesus in his lifetime, for many, many days, had seen what it looked like to, to had walked past people hanging on crosses. You see, in that day and time, it was a common way that the Roman government punished people. They hung criminals on the cross and they crucified them. And I believe many times Jesus walked past those crosses and he knew the amount of suffering. He could have tapped out, but instead he obeyed his father. And I don't know about you, but I praise the Lord that he was willing to do that. I'm certain that early on in his life, way before he began to minister, he was aware that he was going to suffer and die like them. He was aware that every day, every new day was closer to the physical pain of his passion. And each new day was a day closer to he knew that he would become sin for us. What an incredibly powerful thing it is to me that Jesus was obedient anyway. He could have said no, but he obeyed. These verses also show us his exaltation, and I love this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow those of those in heaven, of those on earth and on those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Make no mistake about it, my friends, following his death. In fact, at the moment of his death, God the Father exalted Jesus above everything again. And he left that mortal body behind and it was put in a tomb. But Jesus was exalted at that very moment. And praise God, the body didn't stay in the tomb. The grave couldn't hold him because Jesus is exalted. That's never happened to anyone else, but it happened to Jesus. And I praise him for that. The grave couldn't keep him. He is no longer stripped of his glory. He's back in his glorious form. And everything that is God is in Jesus. And I make a promise to you. The next time he comes back to this world, it won't be in a meek and lowly manger. And he won't be a servant. He will be king of kings and lord of lords. Because he has been exalted all the way to that place. The father has exalted him above all. Jesus is exalted today and we can praise the Lord. His name is higher than every other name. The Bible says he's highly exalted and his name is above every other name. Give me a name and I will tell you the name of Jesus is above that name. Name your greatest need and Jesus is greater than that need and he's stronger than that need. Name your greatest challenge. You can say cancer and I can say Jesus and Jesus is exalted above cancer. You can say poverty. And I can tell you Jesus, because Jesus is exalted over those things. Whatever our ails, whatever our need, Jesus has been exalted high above it all. There's no power, there's no, no strength that exists that can resist the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Praise the Lord. I love the thing that, and this is a scene that I have imagined many times. The Bible tells it that at this name, at the name of Jesus, there will be a time when everyone will get on their knees and everyone will bow and everyone will confess with their tongue that Jesus is Christ. I, I can't wait for that day. Because no matter what you believe or don't believe, that's going to happen to you. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just telling you the truth. One day, every false god, if there's any existence of them, they will bow to me. And they will confess with their tongue, Jesus, your Lord of Lords and your King of Kings. One day, old Satan will have to get on his knees and he's going to have to confess with his mouth to Jesus Christ. You are King of Kings and you are Lord of Lords. Everything, everyone will have to do it. And so I choose to do it today. I'm not going to wait for that day. I believe in him. I know he is the king of kings and he is exalted. He, it's not that he's going to be. He already is. Amen. He's already over it all. He's greater than it all. And folks, that's the Jesus that we believe in. He came to the manger. And he, and he came in a form of weakness and as a babe. But he left this world in glory. He ascended on high. And he's with his father. He's at his father's side. And he is very God, people. He may still be human because that's the only unique thing about Jesus is that he's both in. And he is the only man who's ever been God. But he's all God. And when he comes back again at the trumpet sound... Believe me, when he comes back to the earth, the whole earth is going to see them. And he's going to come in glory that will terrify the world. I don't care what our government believes. I don't care what we're taught in our schools. I don't care about the lies that that are pervasive in our world. The fact is, whether the world likes it or not, he's above all. And he reigns. He's greater than any other falsely named God. He is exalted today. Every human, every redeemed human one day will gather around his throne. And I look forward to that. I look forward to being in heaven. And I look forward to the Lamb of God being revealed to us. And the Bible tells us that in Revelation, you can read about this, that every one of us will praise his name. That'll be a great day, folks, when we celebrate the King of Kings. We will praise God for his good. What a wonderful thing he has done. We love him at the manger. We love the fact that God would love us so much that he would come to a manger. He would make himself a bondservant. He would be obedient. He would come and be a human being. And he comes in that vulnerability. And we love the story. And it's a beautiful story. And it's part of a story. But, folks, the cross is part of a story. And I know we like to come to the manger and, and, and adore him, and we should. But I would suggest to you that every human being needs to be at the cross. Because that's where the sins of your life and my life are taken care of. It is on the cross of Jesus. That's where he took your sin for you. And we have to go there, and we have to bow there. And we have to ask him to come into our hearts and forgive our sins and take away our sins. His blood was shed to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. And we have to remember that. We have to remember the cross. And I'm, I'm going to ask you, I know again, we love the, the manger, and I do too. I love that story. I love the Christmas story. But please remember that the Christmas story cannot be told without talking about the cross. Jesus came to the cross.
And he did it because of his love for humanity. He finished his work. One day he, he hung there. And he suffered a great deal. And by the way, folks, even up until the moment that I'm about to describe, Jesus could have tapped out. There was a moment that was so difficult for him when because of what he did for us, his father turned around and wouldn't look at him. And he cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I hanging here all by myself? It's because he became the, the sin that we we have perpetrated and we have in our lives. He took the sin of the world. But all oh, those beautiful words when Jesus finally breathed out, it is finished. And folks, when he did that, it was done. He did the work. We need to go to the cross. We need to trust in him and believe in his power to make us his, to make us his own. You saw the video just before I started preaching this sermon in this halting way that I preached today. And you saw uh, a depiction of people sitting there and they look great. They look like us, right? They, they just look like every ordinary, everyday people. And they were revealing or thoughts were revealing the words were supposedly revealing. This is going on in my life. And the walls were down. They were revealing things about themselves, you know, to the world, if you will. That's how it's depicted. And we sit in our pews or our chairs and we come to church and so often what we'll do week after week is we'll appear and and there'll be walls and you don't need to break those walls down to me i i'm nobody i'm a man you don't need to come to me and tell me your faults or your needs here's where you got to bring them bring them to the cross bring them to jesus christ break your walls down there it doesn't matter what i think Who cares what a preacher thinks? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the person sitting next to you thinks. I'm not saying in the sense that you don't love them and care about them. What's important is what does Jesus think? Because, by the way, he can read us. He knows us. He he knows who's lonely. He knows who's hurting. He knows who's addicted. And he's just waiting for us to get real. Somebody may be here today sense that that's what you need more than anything. You just need to be real with God. Put your walls down. Come to the cross and seek Him. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? And I'm not going to ask you to leave your seat. Okay? I'm, I'm going to ask you to respond. But please respect those around you just for about 30 seconds here. Is there somebody who would lift your hand and say, you know what? I'm coming to Christ today. I am asking the Lord to forgive my sins. I'm coming to the cross. And I'm I'm just breaking down my walls. And I'm getting real with God. And I'm just asking for him to forgive me and wash me and take me into his family. I need him. And I accept his mercy where I sit. By faith, I'm calling on him. Would you lift your hand up where I can see it? This is what I'm doing today. I'm trusting Christ with my sins. I'm breaking down my walls. Would you put your hands down? Is there anyone here who would who would acknowledge, look, I'm a believer. I love the Lord. And, and obviously I struggle with things. All of us do, by the way. I do. I can tell you that. But I'm a believer. And I'm, there's something specifically that God has laid on my heart that needs to be dealt with. And I'm dealing with it by God's help, with God's help i'm bringing it to the cross and i'm asking god to make me an overcomer and you'll slip your hand up i'm trusting the lord to help me i'm a believer 
but I'm trusting him with something in my life that I needed to trust him with. I love him, and I want to serve him. Many hands are up. Many hands. I'm believing God. I'm trusting God. I'm a believer, and I'm trusting him with this in my life. Put your hands back down for just a moment. And I know I'm going to lead out in prayer, but will you from your heart, in your seat, quietly call on the Lord? Jesus, we believe that you are the Lord of glory. We believe, O Lord, that you came and you, just as the Bible describes it, that you left your glory and you became a human being in the womb of a woman who was a virgin. We believe that. We believe that you were born exactly the way that the Bible tells us you were born in and laid in a manger to very lowly circumstances. And we believe, Lord, that you were raised exactly how the Bible tells us that you were raised. We believe that you minister to people in marvelous ways, Lord. As you walk this planet, you showed us what God looks like, what his love is, what, what the Father's heart is like. Lord, we believe you did that. And we believe that one day you hung on a cross and you suffered unjustly for our sins. And Lord, your blood was shed. And we believe that that blood can cleanse us from our unrighteousness. And Lord, we meet you at the cross this morning. And we, we, we seek you and we pray for your mercy and for your forgiveness and for the power of your resurrection in our lives. Because we know you're not dead. We know you're not in a tomb. We know you're glorified and highly exalted and above all, Lord, we believe that with everything we are. We know that you rose again. We know you ascended to be with the Father. And we know for a fact you're coming back. And you will rule this world one day, Father. Just as the scriptures have said, Jesus, that's what you're going to do. And so some have come to you today and acknowledged that they needed a Savior's forgiveness. Lord, won't you wash our sins away today? Won't you cleanse us from unrighteousness? And won't you help us with our struggles, O oh God, that we also have brought before you? Lord, I thank you for those who lifted their hands, and I'm trusting that you have heard our prayers and that you are going to do amazing things in our lives. Make us what we should be for your glory. Father, I pray for each person here as we celebrate this week's uh, the week of Christmas, as we celebrate the gift of you coming, Jesus. Let not one heart be empty or hurting, but let us rejoice in the bigness of the gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.